Hey everyone, thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast brought to you by Roto Grinders. Rotogrinders.com is your place for all your DFS needs. Check out the premium membership, you will not regret it. Hey, this is an amazing show, and we are so grateful to have our friend Michael Collins from ESPN on this week's episode. Michael is absolutely hysterical. He gave us an amazing amount of content this week. You're really going to enjoy it. His career path from comedian to PGA Tour caddy to now being a, a regular on ESPN uh, is just awesome. We talk about that. We talk about his week in the Bahamas where he, he watched Tiger shot by shot. We get his take on whether or not Tiger is back. And we talk a little bit about the Augusta National and the uh, you know the Augusta National Internet Ninjas. That's, that's a real thing. Listen in for that story. We even give you some parenting advice. It's an amazing episode. Thanks again for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast, and uh, enjoy. What will you discover in Asheville, North Carolina? Your inner explorer as you hike mountain trails. Your creative streak as you stroll the River Arts District. In Asheville, the answers can surprise you. Don't miss Summer of Glass, now through September, featuring Chihuly at Biltmore and a community-wide celebration of glass with local exhibitions and tours. Visit exploreasheville.com to plan your stay. Asheville, discovery inside and out. What is up, golf addicts? We are really pumped to have this next guest on. Uh, let me just tell you guys, he's one of the nicest guys we've run into since we started the Tour Junkies, um, and, and he's giggling over here, but, but it's, it's for real. We met this guy for the first time standing in front of Carl Paulson's booth at the PGA show in Orlando in January. He walks up, just takes over the room, you know, and he's just a funny <laughs> guy, a nice guy, and, and as, a, as a guy, a member of the media who... Uh, you know, was meeting these two wackos with four junkies t-shirts on, just treated us like, uh, like, like one of the brethren, which, which we are not. But uh, Michael Collins is with us. He is the at ESPN caddy on Twitter. Joined ESPN in 2011, covers golf, does caddy confidential, uh, co-host of, you know, one of the best shows on Sirius XM, Out of Bounds with Pat Perez. Michael, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome, man. I have no clue how I'm going to live up to everything that you just said about me right there and there. But no, you know what, though, man? I'm going to tell you something. Coming from the background that I came from and being able to get the job and have the job that, that I have in golf and being able to caddy was only because people treated me the same way that I now treat everyone else. And it's because of that, that I, that's why I do that. Like, yeah, I don't believe there's no such thing as, you know, well, you're new and you're just starting out. So you're not as good as me. Like that's, I don't, I don't buy that. That's a bunch of bull crap. You know, it's, yeah. it's bull. And so like, I don't care whether you're the CEO of a company worth, you know, $27 billion or you're a dude that's just starting out and just fell in love with the game of golf. Like, that's not what makes you a good person. So I'm going to treat you the same way no matter what, you know, because that's what I would ask that you would do for me. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we, we love just how genuine you are. You're just our favorite guy that covers golf. I think you and Faraday would probably be just the, the best duo. <laughs> but uh, I know, you know, you and, and uh, Bob Herrig and Jason Sobel, you guys just do a great job at ESPN. And, so you, Thanks, you referenced man. it a, yeah, you referenced it a little bit. Although how you it's got offensive. Hold up though. I gotta tell you oh. something. 
it's a, sometimes it's a, it's offensive to me when people call me a member of the media. You know what I mean? Because uh, the media is not necessarily looked at in a good way. And I'm I'm not always the proudest guy to say that I'm part of the media. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I don't consider yeah. myself I don't consider myself like part of the media. I still laugh when ESPN like puts writer on my resume like I'm a writer because I go look I failed high school English I never went to college and yeah. I still type with two fingers so for yeah. you to call me a writer when I'm sitting in a room with guys who have won awards and going to journalism school is almost laughable like are you kidding these guys if they weren't writers and could fight they'd want to beat me up well you know sometimes you just got to have the appearance that you're you're something you know Pat and I we we didn't know anything about media or or you know podcasting or anything when we started, and we have heard some things. Some people have said, you know, like, well, you got to watch out if you get wrapped up in that media crowd or whatever. And we still to this day don't really know what that means because yeah, like, the guys, you know, well, the guys you know, <laughs> I mean, we're close to like Carl Paulson, who's amazing, and and right. you, he's and not that's media. It. He's not. No, media he's not. Either. See, what a cool thing is, y'all got the t-shirts. So that's step one, right? So yeah. the way that you become official media is once you do something or say something that you know you're doing or saying because you're just a little bitter or you say something <laughs> or you feel a way because you're like, oh, this dude or this tournament is like, mm. like once you start getting a little bitter about the job yeah. that you have, that's how you that's, know. When you, that's when you know you cross to the dark side. You know what I mean? You've been you've yeah. wooed. Now you're Vader. You're Darth Vader. Well, Michael, I, t- I can tell you one thing. I know we're not getting media credentials anytime soon because we've, no, we've tried nice that. Thing. And uh, they, they were quick to, to tell us that, no, you are not media. So we, we're, we're definitely not that. Yeah. Uh, but, but we're enjoying doing our thing, man. Uh, so I, I want you to tell the story. I want two stories in particular, and I'm just going to tee them up because nobody tells them better than you. Um, but, you know, if a lot of people don't know, you were you were a caddy for about 10 years. Uh, before yep. that, you did stand-up comedy for roughly 20. And I even heard you yep. reference a, an old comedy club here in Augusta that my parents used to go to. And I remember... Comedy House I remember Theater. Thinking, yeah, yeah. I remember being babysat so my parents could go to the Comedy House Theater. Uh, <laughs> they might have seen me. They, they may have. So I want I want you to tell everybody the 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 story about that, the Billy Andre story, um, okay. and then the Robert the Robert Gamez story at the Nike event. <laughs> oh, the first time I came. All right. Yes. Well, first yes. this is how how it started. I was doing stand up comedy, and I started in 1991. And by like 19, I moved to Florida and I I learned how to golf in '94 in the spring in Pennsylvania before moving to Florida that fall in 94. Um, one of the guys, the reason I learned how to play golf was another comedian said, Hey man, you got to start playing golf. And this dude would like watch golf all the time on TV every weekend. You know, if I wasn't doing a gig and we were hanging out, I'd be like, dude, are you, do you suffer from like narcolepsy or something? Like you got a sleep disorder. And he was like, nah, man, you got to get into this game. And I was like, no, I go, dude, we used to chase the golfers home from school, remember? Because we would tell them we are going to beat them up. And now you want me to play. Like, that's stupid. And he was like, nah, man, you don't understand. Everyone 
in the entertainment industry plays. And I was like, whatever. And he was like, I'm telling you, Mike, everybody plays. And he took me out to a par three, a little dinky par three course that was like $2.50 to play. And thank goodness he was a lefty like me. Mm. He brought out a pitching wedge, a sand wedge, and a putter. And we, me and him, for me, and then he had his own, and we went out and played. And after we were done playing, he was like, what do you think? And I was like, I got $5 left. I'm a, I'll be here for the rest of the day, man. I'm good. And I was hooked Hook. from then on. Yeah, so then when I moved to Florida, I was like, I got this bright idea. I was like, you know what? I should book comedy wherever the tour is going to be because then I bet I'll meet somebody who can get me free tickets to a tournament. And that was in 94. Well, I was like to myself, man, I'm a genius. Ain't nobody thought of this before. I got it. (laughs) Of course, every comedian and their cousin was trying to do the same thing. But I got to be friends with this dude who had always performed in Hilton Head the week of the tournament. And he had been doing it for like 12 or 13 years. Well, in 98, his wife was going to have a baby and he couldn't perform there. So he told the owner, hey, put Mike in for me and called me and said, man, you're getting that week. So it turned out I had gone to high school with a kid who was an assistant pro at Nicholas's course, um, Indigo Run on yeah. Hilton Head. And I mm-hmm. called him up and was like, hey, man, I'm coming in. I'll be there on Monday. And he was like, perfect. I'll get us tickets to the tournament and we can go Tuesday. And I was like, uh, I don't think they play Tuesday, bro. They only play on Saturday and Sunday, man. That's when it's on TV. And he was like, nah, man, it's practice. And I was like, practice or golf? We're talking about practice? <laughs> I know. I did. I had an Allen Iverson moment, man. And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And he was like, nah, nah, Tuesday will be the best day to go because you've never been there and you don't know how to act. Which kind of was true, you know, but yeah. I don't get crazy at events anyway. So we go there on Tuesday and walk into this place. Now, for people who have never been to Hilton Head, back then, when you first walked through the gate, you walked right to the putting green. And the putting green was elevated about three feet or four feet from everybody. So literally, you're like looking at people's knees and ankles. So we walk in. And this dude is putting and just stops putting and comes over to me. And he's like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? And I was like, uh, I'm good. I'm all right. That's great, man. You doing shows this week? And I was like, yeah, actually, I am. I got shows starting tonight and be here the whole week. And okay. And he's, yeah, we got to get together, man. It's been forever. Let's catch up. I got a tournament, blah, blah, blah. And I, yeah, okay. Fantastic. And he's like, okay, good, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay. And he walks away. And my buddy, who's a golf fiend, he looks at me and is like, dude, you know Billy Andre? And I'm like, I've never seen that guy before in my life. <laughs> I found out the next day, I found out Wednesday, from as the story goes, but I found out Wednesday, he thought I was Darius Rucker. He thought I was Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish. Because <laughs> this was 1998, right after Crack Rearview Mirror came out. Crack Rearview, and, baby. And, and if, I had, if I have a baseball cap on, and don't shave for a day or two, like, people literally... My first nickname on tour was Little Hootie. Little that was my Hootie. first nickname. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody thought I was Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish back then. So, great my boy's all freaking out, I'm telling you, man. I've had, a, I've had a couple of really good ones, you know, on tour. I've had, like, three catty nicknames, which is weird, 
Um, <laughs> but the, there are ones that I that I that I approve of. So at least that sure. I know of. Um, sure. But then my boy's freaking out because he's like, "Look, man, you're not supposed to be talking to the golfers." And I'm like, "What, what are you talking? About? Oh, they're trying to get the work done." Blah blah. And I was like, "Whatever. Let's then go out. Let's find somebody on the golf course who's by themselves." You know, maybe we could talk to them. He's like, look, man, you're not supposed to talk to these guys. So we go up, we're walking down 10, we get to 11T, and a caddy comes up, puts the bag down, and looks at me, and hey, hey, what's up, man? What's going on? I was like, nothing, man. What's up? How you doing? He was like, oh, nothing. And my buddy is like, oh, I'm sorry, man. He doesn't know. You know, he's, he's a stand-up comedian. He doesn't know any better. And the caddy's like, you're a stand-up comedian. And I go, yeah. And he yells back to his brother, who he's caddying for, yo, Omar, this dude's a stand-up comedian. Come here. And O comes up onto the tee, and he's like, hey, are you a stand-up comedian for real? And I said, yeah. He goes, you know Rodney Carrington? I said, yeah, him and I performed together at the Stardome in Alabama before. He's like, that's awesome. And he lifts up the rope and goes, come on, man. Now my buddy is about to start crying because, like, this is the greatest experience he's ever had. In his yeah. life. But for me, I'm like, it's no big deal, whatever. You know, we're going to talk comedy. So go under the ropes. We walk a couple holes with Omar and his brother you know, having a great time. And, and I was like, hey, man, I'll let you go. We got to get out of here. I got a show in a little while. And he was like, hey, man, can I call you? Can we come to the show tonight? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Then I'm thinking to myself, like, this dude, I ain't never going to hear from this guy. Come on. He's like, this guy, he's a pro golfer. Like, why would he call me? It'd be dumb. But he did. He called me that night and was like, right before I left, said, hey, man, can I get tickets? Yeah, of course. Him and his brother come to the show. And it was a, I had a great show and whatnot. Tell the owner, man, that the professional golfer is coming with his brother and blah, blah, blah. And they had a great time. And, and after the show, O was like, man, you got to come every day. I played great when you was out there because I was relaxed and we were having fun. And I was like, man, I ain't got no tickets. And he, he just, you know, half, uh, he was half lit, just goes, <laughs> hold on, and walks down to the <laughs> car to his courtesy and comes back with, with uh, clubhouse badges for the week, like two clubhouse badges for the week. Yeah. And, Long story short about Omar, by the end of the week, 50 golfers and 100 caddies had been to the show. And a couple of my buddies drove up, like, on a Friday night from Gainesville. And, like, I didn't tell them about all the golfers that I had met and I was going to the course every day. I just said, come up. I got tickets for the golf tournament. We can go hang out. So when they show up Friday night, you know, some, most of the guys that missed the cut came to the show. So, like. My boy is like, yo, that's Robert Gomez right there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, come here. And I was like, yo, Bert. And, and then, of course, their eyes get like this fans because I just say, yo, Bert. And Gomez looks over and yo, what's up? Right? Because it was the craziest week. So Wednesday, Omar gives me the clubhouse badges and says on Wednesday, hey, man, you know, I'm going to be here at this time to go play and whatnot. Come on oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to practice. But he was like, you know you have golf clothes to wear. And I was remembering what Hoss had on his brother. And I was like, yeah, I have khaki pants and a golf polo. I got like two pair of khaki pants. I can switch on and off. No biggie. Well, by Friday, I was just walking up onto the range. And Omar was like, man, how are you just walking onto the range? And I was like, well, I just look like an angry black guy and I put a towel on my shoulder. So they think I'm a pissed <laughs> off caddy. And the volunteers are like, well, he knows everybody because I heard the one dude talk to the say to the other volunteer, "Hey, aren't you going to say something?" And the guy was like, "Nah, he knows everybody." But I also had a real mad look on my face, and I was thinking to myself, "Well, this dude is thinking I'm a volunteer. Like, I'm not getting a behind whooping 
from nobody. Nah. Yeah, like oh, I paid for a shirt and a hat. Like I'm doing this for free. Why I got to get punched in the face? You stop them. I'm stopping them. <laughs> so Omar was just laughing and whatnot. And then Friday, Friday after his round, he Omar played in the morning. And after his round was over, I walk up onto the practice range and stuff like that. And and Omar's playing Ram at the time. He's got a Ram bag. And he's hitting shots and whatnot. And Hoss says to me, hey, little Hootie, I'm going to go get lunch. Take care of Omar. Just keep his clubs clean. And I was like, uh, okay. So now I'm looking down the driving range to see, like, how everybody else is, all the other caddies are acting. So I crossed my arms, got the towel over my shoulder, and Omar would hit a shot. I'm like, yeah, that's nice, man. It looks good. Nod my head and stuff. And there's a dude hitting balls right by Omar, and he goes, hey, kid, come look at this. And I go, okay. So I walk over to him, and he has, like, a, a he's got a club, and he takes it back, like, to his belt line. And he goes, how's that look? And I was like, it looks good. And then he takes the club, sets it, and he puts it at the top of his backswing. And he goes, how's that? Does that look square? Now, like I said, I only learned how to play golf in 1994. Um, so I am like horrible. I'm, li- I'm literally looking at the head of the club to see if it's shaped like a square. <laughs> so I'm like, I go, yeah, I mean, it looks, that looks pretty square to me. And then from that standstill, this dude hits a frozen rope. I mean, it is go- it's a beautiful shot. And as soon as he hits it, I was like, see, I told you, man, it's perfect. And he goes, thanks. Yeah, that feels really good. Thanks. And he had a Ram bag, too. So I walked back to Omar, who's like, you know, would be maybe a guy and a half away from him. And Omar hits the shot and then comes back to the bag and whispers to me. He goes, hey, man, what did Tom Watson want? And I go, oh, he wanted me to look at his swing. He wanted me to look at his swing, and Omar goes, Omar goes, what's your handicap? And I was like, what's a handicap? And he starts laughing, and he's like, what do you shoot? And I'm like, I'm right around 108, 109. I got close to 100 one time. And now Omar's laughing so hard, he can't even swing, because a guy who shot like 109 just gave Tom Watson swing advice. Another thing crazy that happened was Saturday night, after Omar finishes, I got a show to do. So Omar plays relatively early. So, I mean, couldn't have played that late because I made it to the show. But he wanted to, hey, man, let's go grab some early dinner. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go out to that famous Mexican spot called Antiladas, the Mexican place on Hilton Head. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, it's slammed. Well, yeah. Wednesday night in Hilton Head is called, they call it industry night. And I'm doing the air quotes here. Well, basically, the comedy club invites all of, like, everyone who works in in the food and beverage industry to come to the club for free. So it's packed. And so we walk in there and I walk up the Omar walks up to the, um, to the girls, you know, the, the hostess and says, how long's the wait? And she's like, it's about an hour and a half. And O just looks at me and I was like, are you serious? An hour and a half. And she was like, yo, you're the comedian from coconuts. And I said, yeah. And she was like, man, you were awesome. We were at industry night on Wednesday. And I was like, listen, I got a show tonight. Would, is there any way you can get me and my friends in a table real quick? And she goes, yeah, yeah, stay right here. I'll seat you next. I'm like, all right, cool. So now Omar is like thinking, this is awesome. So she comes over and goes, all right, I got a table. Come on, come on. Well, Payne Stewart had been waiting there for about an hour for a table. Ugh. And he knows, oh, so he sees Omar walk in, and now we're going right to a table. So he comes over, looks at Omar, and goes, what the bleep? I've been here for an hour. You walk in. <laughs> 
and you get a table? What the bleep, man? What's going on? And Omar and Hoss at the same time, they look at him and they go, we're with him. And they point to me. And I know who Payne Stewart is, man. So he's like, come here, kid. And I was like, okay. Get up, walk to the hostess. And he looks at the hostess and goes, hey, I'm with him too. Can I get a dang on table? And she looks at, she gives him a filthy look, right? And I'm trying not to laugh. And she looks back at me and I go, listen, this is Payne Stewart. He's a good friend of mine, really good golfer. He's a nice guy. Can you look him up the next time? And she goes, you know what? All right. For you, Mike, I'll get him a table. And he looks at me and he goes, who are you? And I go, man, I'm just, I'm a comedian, dude. I'm just a comedian that's performing here for the weekend. And I was like, this is the most surreal thing ever. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was my introduction to professional golf. that That was my first week of pro golf, man. And that's and you and people wonder why I'm hooked and, and addicted. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, even if I weren't already addicted, I think I'd be addicted after that story. Like even just hearing <laughs> it is, is amazing. Um but I all right, I got you gotta tell the Robert Gamma story, the first event you caddy for at the Nike event. <laughs> See, so after that week happened in Hilton Head, then the pros were like Mike start booking comedy where the tour is going to be so we can really hang out. So then I really went hardcore and I would actually have like guys calling comedy clubs going, Hey, it's so-and-so, you know, is there any way you can, is Michael Collins going to be performing this week? You know, after I had called the club, right? So then the club would call me back and be like, Hey, so that week you were talking about coming in, you still, you available. I think we've had a dropout. Oh, really? There was? (laughs) So I can come feature. Perfect. So, I would perform the week of a tournament and that during the day, especially on Monday, Tuesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, especially they called me the caddies caddy because the caddies would be like, Hey man, you want to carry the bag? Come inside the rope. And I was like, yeah, because it was my way to get inside the rope, not thinking 35 pound golf bag. And I'm worried about to walk yeah. six and a half miles. But like yeah. at the time I didn't care. I'm inside the rope. So what? Like big deal. Caddy's then, caddy. Yeah, and of course, then players would be like, hey, man, we should talk about this on stage. You should talk about, okay, cool. So then they would come to the show, and I would go on stage, and whatever we were talking about on the course, I would I would do it on stage. And if it killed, then I would be like, hey, thanks so-and-so out there. And if it got crickets, I'd be like, listen, I know that joke wasn't funny, but don't worry, it wasn't okay. mine. It, here he is right there. Turn around, everybody. You can boo him, right? So like, we, it was a blast. And Gomez was one of the main dudes. He was like, we hung out a lot. So one week I was at home. All New Ellen, Michael Strahan. Plus, a little cruise ship dancer taking over social media. People were coming up to me and asking me for autographs. It was kind of awkward. But... Right, well, it's going to be more awkward now. Ellen, today at 3 on NBC4. Imagine moving into a new home and hearing scratching, screeching every night. Inside the walls, hundreds of bats. They just took over that. I had no idea. Warning signs something could be lurking in your home. Today at 5 on NBC4. And he had, he had at the end of 98, had been in a car accident, wasn't able to finish um, playing that year on tour, and when he came back, was not playing good at all, came back a little too early. And he called me up one week in 99 and said, hey, man, I got to go play this Nike Tour event, you know, because I'm, I'm playing terrible. 
and I need to start, and I've never played on a Nike Tour event. My caddy just walked on me. He's not going to go. So come caddy for me, man, because I think I just need to have fun on the golf course again. And I was like, you know, yeah, okay, why not? I got nothing to do. I can can't. Well, actually, yeah. I had a weekend gig that I canceled. And I was like, it was only a Friday and Saturday night, but I was like, this is going to be a lot more fun. So I had never caddied for real. And like, even during practice rounds, I didn't, had no clue what the yardage book was. I didn't do nothing but carry the bag. Yep. So when we get to this tournament in Louisiana, the course is underwater because it's been pouring the week before and it rains Sunday and Monday. So they cancel the practice round Tuesday, cancel the program on Wednesday. So the only thing that we're allowed to do is ride a golf cart around the course to just look at the holes. You're not even allowed to hit a shot. So Thursday, first hole, I've never uh. caddied before. So I'm, you know, I'm looking what, okay, what's the other caddies doing? I got to put the bib on. Okay, I got to put some tees in here. I got to put pencils in the bib. I don't know why I'm putting pencils in the bib because I got <laughs> nothing to write on. So the Gomez, Gomez is announced. He has this whole routine he goes through. So we're on a par five. It's a downhill par five. Gomez comes over, and as he takes the head cover off the driver, I lean into him, and I go, hey, yo. And he looks at me, and I go, don't hit it in the sand trap down there on the right because I, I don't know how to rake like a pro, all right? So don't hit it in there. And, and he gives me this look, and I, I never forget, like, my thought in my head was, like, why in the world did he just look at me like that? Like, he looked like, he had a look like a, oh, my God, why did just say that and i was like well that was stupid why is he looking at me like that like he never looked at me like that before and then you know he goes through his practice routine steps up and of course hits it right in that bunker and he comes over and he slams the club down into the bag right and i lean in and i'm like man i just told you not to hit it in a bunker man and he goes you can't say stuff like that to me and i looked at him and i was like oh now you're gonna tell me what to say which kind of made him laugh so we get down to the bunker, and I was like, all right, dude, what's the play? What you going to do? And he goes, I'm going to hit it in the front bunker in front of the green and get up and down for birdie. And I looked at him and was like, all right, fool, I just told you I can't rate like a pro, man. And you're going to hit it to another bunker? And we're on the first hole? And I was like, hit it in that front bunker, and I'm going to call INS on you and get you deported, Mexican. <laughs> And he had this sly, smart Alex grin on his face. And he was like, yeah, let's see. And he jumps down and hits the wood right into the front bunker. And as it goes into the bunker, he's holding that pose. And he just turns and looks at me. And I put the bag down. And I was like, I'm going back to the club. I'm calling right now. You ain't even going to make it to the night. So I'm calling deportation. You out. <laughs> and he was like, get your black butt bleep, bleep, bleep back here and whatnot. And then I'm laughing. But as I look back, <laughs> I looked over. At the other two guys that we were in our group, and those guys and their caddies, they had a look of like, what the, you know, what, what, yeah, yeah, what the hell is happening here? And it was, and we were on, and he did, he got up and down for birdie, and we were on our merry way. And the kicker to that story is, on Friday, we make the turn and get back to that first hole, and he hits it on in two and has an eagle putt to tie for the lead. He three putts and then proceeds to go bogey, double, bogey, 
No, bogey, double, triple bogey. Ugh. And as we're yeah. walking up the 15th hole, he looks at me and he goes, so you want to drive to Milwaukee or you want to fly? <laughs> and I looked at him and was like, dude, what just happened, man? Your name was on that board right there just a second ago, and now we're leaving. And he just wow. laughed and was like, man, that's been the way my game has been. Wow. And that was wow. that. And then afterwards, other guys, when we got to Milwaukee, um, Chris Couch, who lived in Gainesville, um, when I lived, like where I live now and, and has been here for a while, he, um, he was the one that said, hey, man, the next time you got a week off from comedy, call me because I want you to come caddy for me as well when you have a week off. And then he was the one who at the very end said, after that week said, from now on, when you, when you caddy, when you're off, off, off of comedy, you're going to be my caddy. And that's kind of how it happened. Wow. That, I, I just love those, uh, both of those stories. And, you know, I, I, can kind of, I can kind of empathize a little bit, Mike. You know, I got caddy for Baldo two holes in the second round of the Players' Championship this, this season. And two holes? I, yeah, for two holes. You didn't know about this? Mm-mm. Well, you, you know, so the second round was cut short because of dark on right. Friday at the Players. And Baldo had two holes left to finish. He was nine shots off the lead, I mean, off the cut line. I mean, he was doing terribly. <laughs> and, and I was there. Pat, unfortunately, couldn't make it. But I was there with my wife, and, uh, and, and we were there for a couple nights. And so I'm out, I'm out to dinner with Baldo after on Friday night, and I'm like, where's your caddy? And he said, oh, Neil went home. He, uh, his, his daughter had some graduation or something. And I was like, well, who's carrying the bag for you tomorrow? you got two holes to play. And he said, I'll probably coach will do it. And I said, well, I want to do it. He's like, you do? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so Baldo sneaks me in, man. And I, I caddied uh, number eight and nine because he started, he started on the back. I wish I could have caddied the, uh, the 17th, but I caddied no, you eight don't. and nine. Uh, no, you, well, yeah, no, be mean, glad you got eight and nine, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, what I was going to say is like, so I spent two years as a caddy at, at the Augusta National in college for members. And, you know, you mm-hmm. think that, that doing that would, would make you feel comfortable or you think you got it. And I, you know, <laughs> the, national, the, the expectation is obviously pretty high. So like it taught me not to be stupid, you know, it taught me not to say dumb things right. to famous people or, you know, act like an idiot, which I, I wasn't prone to do anyway, but you know, you do that stuff out there and you're gone. They don't care. Um, mm. and, and it taught me the basics, but I'm out there standing with Baldo and Nick Taylor and JJ Henry um, and JJ had, uh, had, um, uh, the guy on the back, he's won, won a, a major championship. Um, Mark something. I don't know. He, so I'm, I'm just standing there like thinking, what am I going to do? And Baldo's telling me mm-hmm. about the rake and, you know, how to rake it properly and all this stuff. It's <laughs> not like what they make you do at Augusta. And I'm sweating. Nah. And he gets first, yeah. first tee shot, first tee shot in the bunker on the par three, number eight. So I'm like, great. Mm. His second shot, he leaves in the bunker. Yeah, it was just, it was a cluster, oh, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But there's a difference in caddying like what I did, even at Augusta National, which people Huge. would think is, is, is a big deal, versus the profession of being a caddy. Oh, like, I can't tell you totally how many different. times I get contacted through email and on Twitter from from people who, you know, are like, hey, I've been a caddy at such and such country club for the last seven years, and I want to get out there on tour. like." how do I get out on tour? And I'm like, dude, 
Number one, I'm the wrong guy to ask because of the way that my story unfolded. Like, there's no, yeah. it's no, there, it's an impossible path to follow the way that it happened to me. And the other thing is, from all of my friends who have caddied at a country club, I only know one guy who went from a country club caddy to being on the pros. And that was the, a dude who caddied for Jeff Magger for a whole bunch of years. And it was only because Magger used him. He was a caddy at Quail Hollow. And Magger yeah. used him at Quail Hollow, and they had a great week. And he said, hey, man, I think we work good together. Come out on tour with me. And other than that, though, like I, because it is, it's so much different. Because there are times, there are times, that you got to say stuff to your player that is yeah. going to like make you not, it's going to make him uncomfortable and it's going to make you uncomfortable. But sometimes that's what's needed. I remember when I caddied for John Elliott, I was supposed to have the week off. Me and Couchy get to Greenville, South Carolina, playing a Nike tour event or a nationwide tour or something. And he was, and Couchy was like, man, I'm just so tired. I'm just, I'm going home man. I'm not going to play this week. I'm like, that's cool with me. It would have been like four in a row, no biggie. And Jumbo, um, John Elliott, was in the parking lot and didn't have a caddy and heard that heard Couchy say, man, I'm going home. And he was like, hey, Couchy, man, can Mikey caddy for me just for the week? And Couchy was like, I don't, yeah, whatever, I don't care. He can, if he wants to. And, and Jumbo was like, come on, man, come on. And I was like, all right, cool. And Jumbo on Thursday, bogey's two he makes birdie at one and then bogey's like five and six with a sand wedge in his hand right mm -hmm. and starts just complaining chin on the chest i don't know why i'm out here i got no business like if i can't I'm the, I'm the worst wedge player in the world and i don't know why i thought i could be a tour player and i'm thinking to myself like this is supposed to be my week off and this fool is trying to ruin my day all because he made two bogeys on a Thursday. Like, man, what are you doing? And I'm like, nah, man, come on. And he was like, nah, I don't know the problem, this and that. And, like, he won't stop moping. And this goes on for a couple of holes, and he makes a couple of pars, and he's like, and I'm like, this has got to stop. And on the ninth, there's a par five. And he hits driver into the, like, semi-rough and tries to muscle a three-wood out but pops it up and hits it to 100 yards. Of course he got his wedge now, right? And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, this is not okay. And he starts bitching and complaining. So we get to the ball, and I literally slam the bag down when I set it down, and I'm like, yeah, you suck. <laughs> and he just looks at me like, <laughs> what did you just say? And I was like, you suck, man. And I'll go, there's a bar, like, two miles down. Maybe you could try pro dark. Or do that. I mean, maybe you'll be good at that instead. And he's like, F you, man. And, but he's trying not to laugh because he sees the look on my face when I said it to him. He's like, F you, man. And snatches the sand wedge out and hits it to two inches. Birdie. Go to the 10th <laughs> hole. Hits driver down there to 60 yards. Got to hit sand wedge again. And I'm like, well, you've proven your proficiency with this club, chump. And he's now trying not to laugh. He chips it in there to three feet. Birdie, go to the 11th hole, 139 yards. I'm like, well, it's got wedge in the name because it's a little downhill, just a smidge downwind. But you know, and as 
soon as he hits it, I'm like, oh, don't go in. Don't go in. One hop, two hops, spin left, hole in one. No. Hmm. So from telling, wow. from him moping around like that, I'm like, dude, from telling him he sucks, he goes birdie, birdie, hole in one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The only hole in one to this to this day that I've caddied. Wow, was that one? That's that's the only hole in one I've caddied. I've caddied an albatross. I've caddied wow. a, a whole bunch of eagles. You know, caddying for Couchy, and and yeah. you know, caddying for Scott Piercy and Kevin Stroman. I've caddied for yeah. some dudes that yeah, yeah Chopra. I caddied for Chopra his his rookie year for a couple of months. Um, so I've caddied for a lot of eagles, but you know that was the that that jumbo is the only hole in one I got. Wow, and he well, threw. He gave the ball away to a kid, which kills me. What? <laughs> yeah, but Come the on, best man. was so. Of course, he's holding the pose, and and the ball. And I'm going, don't go in the hole, don't go in the hole. And it spins and goes in the hole. And he turns and looks over at me. Almost, it, it was almost the same as when Gomez looked at yeah. me from the from the fairway bunker. And when he when Jumbo looked at me, I was like, I'm the worst wedge player in the world. I don't know, you know why I'm out here. I can't be a pro golfer, worst wedge player in the world. And he laughs and then goes, F you, and throws the pitching wedge up in the air for me to catch. And we go skipping down the fair down the uh, little fairway walk thing to go get the ball out the hole. And it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Love it. But it's uh, what I'm Man. saying about what I, what the reason I tell that story is because like the moment has to be perfect in order for you to say something like that. Like if I would have yeah. just said that at the wrong time or at the wrong moment, or if I would have had a serious look on my face when I said it, it wouldn't have had the same effect. So like caddying on the pro level, and this is the reason I fell in love with it. It's because it's a psychological game that yeah. you get to play with the guys who hit the shot. And then it's the opposite for me of comedy. Comedy, it's me and a microphone, and everything is on me. But in caddying, I'm the vice president. So after the round, you know, when the guy plays fantastic and he's doing an interview, you know, most of the time, back then especially, you know, guys would be like, you know, yeah, I was real happy with the seven iron to hit on the par three. You know, it just came off the way I was hoping it was going to come off. Not telling the reporter, well, actually, I wanted to hit a six iron. But my caddy was right. He was the one who hit seven, so I would have hit six iron in the back bunker. Now that part of the game is changing a lot nowadays, but that's yeah. still the part of the game that I love as a caddy is that you are the only other person inside the ropes that has influence over what happens out on the golf course. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I love the caddy stuff. We've had a few caddies on the show and. Um, gotten to gotten to know a few of them. They're they're easily uh, some of my favorite people. And um, well, real quick, I, I know Pat Pat wants to talk a little bit about Tiger and your week at the Bahamas. But who's yeah. your favorite comedian? Oh, I don't have one. You know, well, first here's the thing. First, you got to start with living or dead. And I will tell you this about caddies too. Um, there are a lot of people that are all they get on me a lot for like. You know, when Steve Williams had all this stuff happen with him, I'm one of the guys yep. that really defended him hard. And yep. there there are a lot of people that are like, you know, Steve's a jack, jack off. He's a real ass. and yep. this, that. But I'm going to – I'll tell you something about Steve Williams. 
uh, at, a, at the U.S. Open in Shinnecock. I was caddying for Daniel Chopra, and Stevie didn't know me from a hole in the wall. He didn't yep. know me from Adam. And on the first hole, Tiger and Chopra both try and drive the green and both hit it in the front green side bunker. And Tiger gets in first and plays his bunker shot. And I go to snap, and Stevie's holding the, the rake. And I go, as a rookie who's all excited, first U.S. Open, I grab the rake and go try and jump in the bunker to rake it out, and Stevie won't let go of the rake because Daniel hasn't played his shot yet. And I'm trying desperately to tear this rake out of his hands, and he's not moving and not saying a word because he knows that if I grab that rake and jump in the bunker, I cost my player two shots. Now, for a guy who's called a real jerk and a real ass, yeah, there's no reason. There was no reason for him to to keep me from getting that two shot penalty on my player. But because wow. of the brethren and the fraternity that caddies are, and because of the respect that he has for caddies, period, he wouldn't let me do that, even though he had no idea who I was. That's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah and the funny thing was, I told him that story on camera one time two years ago at the tour championship, and he didn't even remember. Like, he didn't even remember doing that for me. And, yeah. like, when I was telling him, I was getting all choked up because I was like, man, it meant so much to me what you did, and you didn't even know me. And, you know, I was feeling all emotional, and he was like, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> one of the moments in my caddy life and career. And you won't even remember, but whatever. But that's how, you know, that's how caddies are. And nowadays, like, I would do the same thing, you know? I would do the same thing because it, it really is out on the PGA Tour, even though it can be an extremely cutthroat business, you know, because PGA Tour caddy jobs are so hard to come by and so hard to get. You know, it's a re- it, it can be really cutthroat, but at the end of the day, the traveling circus that is the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour caddies, man, they family. They are family. Yeah. All right. So well, I, yeah. I wanted to get that in about TV. What do y'all want to ask me about the Bahamas? Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Well, yeah. Well, Stevie, I guess, uh, in an indirect way, uh, leads us right into that. So, you know, Obviously, you were in the Bahamas for, for Tiger's return. He, he's back and uh, at the Hero World Challenge, and then I think he's announced that he's going to play at Riviera at the Genesis Open. So talk about yeah. that week in the Bahamas. And, you well, know, I want to ask you all something real quick, though. Like, okay. Yeah, he, of, course, of course he announced he's going to play in the Genesis because his foundation yeah. is running mm-hmm. it. So he's going to make that announcement because it helps with Christmas ticket sales. Like you got to kind of think corporate when it comes to yeah, Tiger yeah. and stuff like that. But do you think the Genesis, you think that's going to be the first place that he comes back? No. no yeah, me neither. So. Me neither. No, I, I mean, yeah. Not thing, according like, to what we saw a couple weeks ago. But yeah, well, see, I, well, okay, well, where do you think he's making the comeback? Well, and I, I think, think it's comeback be a- because, I say comeback because 
even though he played in the Bahamas, it's not a real PGA Tour event. Like, yeah. it's only 18 yeah. dudes, nah. and only 17 nah. guys ended up playing. So, like, that's not a See, real PGA Tour event. A full field event, that's a real event. That's a real right. tour event, whether it be yeah. PGA or European. And, and. I think that, uh, so you're trying, to, you're trying to say it could be a European event? I, I'm saying people are speculating that. That's not what I think because it would be a very stupid move corporate-wise yeah. for the new Tiger Woods to make his first full-field event either like Abu Dhabi or Dubai. Like, that would uh, not yeah. be a smart look, especially after Steinberg, his agent, came out and said, you know, well, you know, the reason that we pulled out of Turkey after pulling out of the Safeway was because we want our first event to be a PGA Tour event. Oh, yeah. really? Because that's yeah. not a PGA Tour event. Right. And there were, there were seven or six events in between that you could have played at that you chose not to. So don't, like, don't blow sunshine and rainbows up my butt when you're throwing dirt at me, man. <laughs> See, I actually think he is – I don't think he's going to play a Hawaii event. I, I think that if, no. if there's going to be a – it's going to be Farmer's Insurance. It's going to be Tory Pines. That that'll be his his first one, and then I think he might play the waste management in Phoenix. I, I think there's he a might chance go he back could, and he take play. another shot at that one. Yeah, I think so. I think See, so. Back to back week. I'm, that'll be his. I'm torn. I am really torn because, and so Pat and I, after we did our show Tuesday night, we or not after during the show, we had this big discussion. Because I was like, even though Torrey Pines is not necessarily the same golf course that Tiger had all the success on, and Torrey Pines North is nothing to what he's right. going to remember, the, just the thought of saying the words Torrey Pines has to give Tiger some good feelings, except yeah. the last time he was at Torrey was when his glutes didn't activate because it was <laughs> 53 degrees out. You know, and apparently he didn't have coffee that morning. Couldn't get that glute activation going. You know, That's my right. glutes activate every morning after coffee. I don't understand why it's so hard. Yeah, I don't drink it. I but it. he, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, coffee is never for tea. It's always, it's you know, it's just a visitor going through. So, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, with the way that his injury was and the way that he's trying to come back, Pat kind of has me convinced that he's not going to play Tory because it's such a brutal walk and because mm. it's on two golf courses and because of the temperature. Not to say that Phoenix doesn't get, like, it. Phoenix will have some frost delays and stuff like that on occasion, but it's a really easy walking golf course and it's in the desert with no rough. But I keep thinking to myself, like, Tiger at Tory Pines really seems to go together. Like, and even even yeah. for Tiger, you know, if there's got to be a part of him that's like, well, I can figure Tory out, you know, yeah. at worst. But, you know, now thinking about how they have redone that golf course and the changes that they've made, you know, and thinking of Tiger now trying to hit shots out of rough, you know, out of big rough, too. Like, Tory there's a big difference between Tory and waste management. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm torn. I don't believe that he's going to make his debut overseas, but I think, I think I'm, I'm still, even after the argument I had with Pat Perez, I'm still leaning 
towards Torrey Pines, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went back and took another shot at waste management only because there's no rough there. So it, it would be a lot easier on his swing and back if he was a little, you know, wayward with the drive. But I tell you, from being in the Bahamas and seeing him play five days in a row like that and then knowing that he went hard after it on Sunday before the week of the tournament, you know, and talking to Harrick, who was there with him with, for his for a ninety minute session, which he said, you know, Tiger had been there thirty minutes before he got there, and Tiger wasn't holding back. So the fact that he could go and do that, then play a practice round with Jeter on Tuesday, and then play in the pro am Wednesday and all four rounds, it's really encouraging. But now it's going to be like, like what you said, you know, well he could play back to back. I don't know if I need Tiger to play back-to-back yet. You know, let's wait until May, you know, or or closer towards April, you know, or something. You know, like getting ready for the Masters, maybe then you play a back-to-back um, tournament week. May I don't, you know, it's just I know how much of in society we are like, yeah, here, right now, let's go. Like when Tiger last made his comeback, everybody was like, yeah. He's back. And I was like, you know what? I really don't want him back right now because I know he's not going to be 100%. And we're not going to see him very long. I would much, I was happy when he was gone for more than a year because it was like, I know now somebody went to him and was like, all right, look, last warning. If you mess this up, not only are you not golfing again, but you're not playing with your kids no more. Like, that was the scare that it took for him to stay away and now do what the doctors told him to do. You know what I mean? So I'm not anxious necessarily for him to play in back-to-back weeks and back-to-back tournaments, at least not this early. By the end of the year, I'm going to be cool with it, you know, because then he's kind of getting into the flow, and I would like to see him hopefully make it into the FedEx Cup, you know, maybe make it to Deutsche Bank, you know, which would be cool. I I don't necessarily know that he'll make it to BMW, but, you know, who knows? I'm hopeful enough. In what I saw in the Bahamas, that I believe Tiger can make it to the FedEx Cup playoff by the end of the year. Wow! So, so yeah, what? Which so is that? What a did you see? So, so, what? Let's talk about that. Then, what did you see from his game? You know, it was you know you've seen him play even you know before the injury leads up into yep. to now, and I know he's made some swing changes, but. Yeah, um, you know, was the ball striking good? Was he hitting the driver just as far as he normally does? I mean, what what did you kind of see, and what was your opinion of just how the game looked? Well, the thing that was cool was he was not really. I saw him go after a couple of drives, but for the most part, his swing was very controlled. But it was controlled, but it wasn't laid off. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like he was all right. I got to hold back here a little bit. Like, I just like, it it wasn't like he was just testing it out. It was a free-flowing swing, and the ball was jumping off the club face, which was great to see. He was hitting it by Patrick Reed 20 yards, and he hit it by Fowler a couple times when he wasn't trying to go after it. And Fowler's not short. So, like, it was good to see that swing be able to do that on a pretty consistent basis. You know, and and even though this is going to sound terrible, I mean it in a really good way. It was great to see him on the back nine on 
Saturday, like, cut her out. It was great to see after he went after a drive on the 11th hole on Saturday and hit it down the left side of the fairway, and he went after it pretty good. And after he hit that drive, he had no legs left, none. And I wow. even asked him about it and was, and I was shocked that he was honest. And he told me, yeah, I just I don't have the stamina. I, my legs, you know, I just don't. It's different. Run, you know, working out, swimming, riding a bike and all that stuff. You can do as much of that as you want to. But your body can't, you can't simulate adrenaline. So when the adrenaline crash happens, no matter how good a shape you're in, you know, you're done. Your legs just aren't going aren't gonna to be there. So the fact that he had that adrenaline rush and the adrenaline crash is so encouraging because now the next time he gets into that position, when he starts making that charge again, he's going to be able to better control that adrenaline rush, which means the crash won't be as bad, which means he'll last longer on the back nine. You know, those kind of things, seeing those kind of ebbs and flows and crashes was great. And then seeing, seeing him make a bunch of putts with that Scotty Cameron, and then when he missed putts, even though, like, by Saturday late afternoon and Sunday he wasn't really in it, you know, at even close to being in it, Seeing him, like, muttering and dropping F-bombs to himself and stuff <laughs> is like, yes, okay, you know what? That old, that tiger that we know, that dude is still in there. Like, as much, di- as different as this, as the guy we're going to see after the round, when he's, like, a little more jovial with media, a little more forthcoming with stuff. Now, he's still, you know, he's still, sometimes when you ask him a question and he doesn't want to give you the answer, He'll still talk around it, and like everyone will stand there nodding, and I'm standing there going, "That's brilliant." The dude never even answered the question, and everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, that's great, yeah, fantastic." I'm like, <laughs> like, he's the best at doing that. Hey, hey, why <laughs> he did you is. Go to a white, why did you go to a white boy voice? When I did what? You made the impression. Like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's your that's your white boy impression. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if you've been in a media scrum before. Or if you've actually, like, if you go on the DWAA website, the Golf Writers of America Association, you know, you're not going to see a whole lot of brothers like me on there, you know? <laughs> it's like me and Pete McDaniel and stuff. And even if you watch the Golf Channel, you know, I don't think that Damon Hack, who I love to death, Damon is, do you remember Beverly Hills Cop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You already know where this is going, then. Damon is uh we're not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe. That's Damon right there. Like I love that dude to death. But like if you dropped him in the hood, he'd be dead in ten minutes. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the media and you know, we we uh we already told you that we aren't media guys, so yeah, no, we've never been See? in the media scrum, but but every day, though, every day, my boy, I'm driving past your new your new digs here at Augusta uh, with the new media center that they have put up in, like, almost a day. I mean, it feels like right when the Augusta National wants to build something, it's like when, they, when you rent the inflatable thing for your kids at the birthday and the guy rolls up on the truck and you look out the window and you're like, oh, he's here. And then you turn around and you look out the window and it's, it's up and ready to go. That's how right, the yeah. National builds stuff. Um, and I'm your, tell your building you, you is looking hear- nice, man. Oh, I hope so, because the plans that I saw 
It looks awesome. But see, there's good news and there's bad news. First, I'm going to tell you a story about, like, how deep Augusta goes, right? So the first year Augusta did Wi-Fi in the media center, it was a disaster. So, like, Tuesday after press conferences and stuff, guys were taking pictures. They were trying to upload photos, and nothing was working. Like, it was not good. And, of course, the media is going nuts now because, you know, and photographers are like, how do I get my pictures? We can't get them out there. They're not going to make the paper. They're not going to make magazines. They're not going to make the Internet, blah, 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 whatever. So usually the last person leaves the media center at, like, 730, 7 o'clock, right around 7, 730. And the next morning, the first media person is in there right around 7 o'clock, maybe 730 at the latest. But normally, by 7 o'clock, somebody's in that media center, like, getting some work done to get stuff over to the U.K. or wherever. Well, everyone leaves the media center, and the next morning, everyone in the media center had a hard line. A hard line Ethernet wow. connection yeah. to the Internet. Which means someone at Augusta picked up the phone and said, cable or AT&T or whoever, you get every truck here right now, and I want 220 Ethernet connections tonight. And now if you and I called, if we called and said, (laughs) hey, man, my cable is acting a little squirrely. It's like 7 o'clock at night. Can you send somebody out here to look at hello, hello? Hello? Like, they're going to laugh and hang up. Like, I think they giggled, but right before they hung up on me, right? Nah, Augusta, or, and no one, no one saw them come do it. That's the other thing. They had that place wired up, and everybody had their own Ethernet connection and a wire in less than 12 hours. Like, yes, you want to talk about uh, that? That's, yeah, that's the kind of cool, and that's the, that's the kind of juice that Augusta has. The scary thing with this new media center is it's a, it's a good news, bad news. The good news is it is amazingly beautiful. And there's, like, we have our own locker, like, where you can take showers and stuff and change clothes and do all that good stuff. The bad news is the way that they have it set up is almost like they don't want us on the golf course. Yeah. Like it's when you def- make, I mean, it's right shows, on Washington Road, right? And that's it's not anywhere near the golf course, you know. And there's there's a like an underground shuttle thing that we can take to get you know over to the golf course to the flash area. We can see the players and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's encouraging people not to go to the golf course, which is a little bit kind of depressing. Like I understand you want to make the man cave really awesome. But you don't want it so awesome that you're trying to tell people, hey, man, just stay here in Oompa Loompa land and you don't have to go outside. Like, nah, I actually kind of I don't want to be in virtual reality because I kind of like reality. Like, I like being out, out yeah. amongst people and hearing and feeling that vibe. And like not. It's almost like, what's the point why I can do all of this from my couch? Like, it's cool to say that you're there and you're talking to other people in the media, but if you're really not out walking on the golf course, then all you're really doing is socializing in a building on property. 
Right. And that's not, for me, that's not the point of being there. Well, you know, we, we talked to you, I guess, the Monday after Masters this past year when we were playing at Champions. And uh, I know you didn't get into the uh, to the media draw for, uh, for media day. And, uh, have Again. You, have you ever got a chance to play in that? Never. Never. And this is what Funny. kills me. Well, see, here's the thing, too. I am trying desperately to do this the right way. You know what I mean? For me, it's like, I, it's going to be seven years now. Well, no, six. This will be my sixth year. It'll be six years. And a bunch of the dudes that I've worked with, they've gone already twice, you know, because they, they were got to play, and then they did their seven-year sit-out period. And then I got brought on board somewhere in between there. And now they got to go play again. And I still haven't gotten picked. Wow. But it's like, I got friends who could get me on like now, like I could go up and play right now, but yeah. I don't like, I don't want to use that card. Cause I want the first time that I play Augusta to be like Monday after the masters. That's my dream. Now, yeah, to see, let me see what it's like. I was, I was blessed and lucky enough to play. I played Valhalla the day after the PGA Championship. I played Marion the day after the U.S. Open. I played Pinehurst the day after the Women's U.S. Open because the men and women went back-to-back, remember. Um, I played um, Oakmont the day after. So it's like I've, I've gotten to play some serious bucket list courses you know, the day after the major has been there, you know, but I've never gotten to play Augusta the Monday after. And I thought two years ago, I really had a good chance because after I put my name in and didn't get picked three years, like the, I guess I had a real despondent look on my face, but you know, someone who was working there was like, listen, just put your name in for next year. Okay. Make sure you put your name in next year. And I thought it was like, all right, cool. You know what? Maybe somebody's going, you know, this might be it. So I'm good. Okay, perfect. So I was all excited. Or like last year, my edit, one of my editors, it was his first time to Augusta ever. And he was coming from L.A. And he was lefty. And I was like, hey, man, are you bringing your club? Because we can go play maybe like Saturday morning or Sunday. We can go hit balls or something. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to bring my club. You know, to travel with them across country would be too much, blah, 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 this and that. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm driving up. So how about this? I'll bring a set of clubs for you, and you can just use mine. And I'll, like, I'll bring two sets, one for me and one for you. And he was like, well, that'd be awesome. You don't have to do that, whatever. And I was like, no, no, it'll be fun, man, because it'll be a good time. We'll get to hang out anyway. And don't you know, his very first time to Augusta, he gets picked to play Monday after the Masters. So, so your club me, is in there and you have it. Yeah, so me being the friend that I am, not only I give him a little tiny camera to sneak in and go ahead and take a bunch of pictures, I give him clubs, I give him golf balls and whatnot, and because I didn't want to stay around because we still got to do our thing at Champions, which was awesome. Um, I told him just all you got to do, because you get picked on the lottery on Saturday. So when he got picked, I was like, listen, you need to go to Sports Authority or Dick Sporting Goods or something and get a travel bag and just take that, take those clubs with you home. And it was a, a nice, 
really nice set of clubs. Which, when he started hitting them, he was like, he was in love. I mean, it was great. So, and he played great and had fun and stuff. So my club, my old clubs, I don't know if I'm going to ever see him again. My old clubs have played Augusta, but I have not. <laughs> well, I caddy for a couple of media days. And when you get your chance, Michael, and I know you're going to get your chance. Uh, I know you won't do this because you've been a former caddy. But as a caddy at Augusta for a, you know, as a job, your, your least favorite day of the year for me today because it ran like, unlike any other day, it wasn't our typical lottery system where you kind of got to pick and choose where you, where, you know, where you got a bag. It was literally just everyone get here at 5 a.m. and we're going to settle you down 30 by 30. You're going to stand in a line like you're in elementary school. And as the cars pull up, you're just going to grab whatever player and bag comes out. And that's your guy. And you don't leave his side until he's done. And <laughs> you're standing there. And as you're approaching, you're, you're just praying to God you don't get an Asian with this ginormous golf bag and everything under the sun in the golf bag that will not <laughs> speak a lick of English and that will require you to take, you know, a half a dozen pictures on every shot. And uh, and that was what you just dreaded. So you literally be the you know the third caddy in line, and the van pulls up, and it's just like you hold your breath, waiting on that door to open, and then it's somebody like you know Michael Collins, where you be like, yes, you know, let's have fun today, let's do this. Uh, and I was lucky enough; I had some really good guys both years. But it'll, it'll be a good time, and I know you will not load your bag down with a bunch of. Useless no, stuff. no, man, I'm I'm not bringing no tour bag or something out there like that. And I have, like, the funny thing about two years ago when I didn't get picked either, you know, to make it even worse, somebody told me that story about how there was a guy who had never, he'd only played golf like five times, you know, and didn't speak a lick of English. I don't even know what his background was, but the dude didn't speak any English, had only played golf like five times ever in his life, and that guy got picked, you know? And I was like, yeah. just it breaks my heart to think, like, that dude, is he, there's no way he can truly appreciate no. the historic nature of what he's getting to do and how, how beautiful of moments that he'll be able to have on those things. And, like, if he doesn't even have people around him that'll understand the nature of how beautiful of a piece of history that he's getting to be a part of now, like, you just want to take that guy and like put him in a room and show him the Zabruder film, right? And be like, let me tell you something. <laughs> what you're about to do is, is on this level, fool. So translate it how you need to and understand that when it comes to golf, you're playing Mecca in America. Like that's what you're getting to do. You need to appreciate it. Absolutely. Mike. We appreciate you, man, and uh, you know we, we want to talk again to you uh, at another time. You've given us a lot of your time sure. today and, and good stuff. So we want to have you on again. We want to talk fantasy golf. We want to get you back on to that. Um, and definitely, if uh, if nobody's listening to you on Series XM with Pat Perez on uh, uh, you know on, on the Out of Bounds show, that's 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 their loss. They need to be. So everybody needs to check that out. Follow him on uh, Twitter at ESPN Caddy as well. Anything else, man, you got going on you want to tell us about? Uh, well, next year, um, I guess I'll, I'll tell you guys this. Um, next year on SiriusXM, I'll be going every day. Pat and I will nice. continue to do 
Pat and I will continue to do Out of Bounds um, every night because, you know, our show is definitely a nighttime show. It is not daytime. It is not morning yeah. friendly. But, it's not rated. Right <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love SiriusXM. We don't need a rating. Um, right. But uh, next year, I'll be doing a daily show every morning. So what? That's well, awesome, while, man. while 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 continuing my duties at ESPN, which is, you know, I'm very very excited about it. So are you taking? I saw that Brian Brian Katrick announced that they're they're not doing uh, his show anymore. Is that the time slot that you're taking? No, my slot will be even earlier than that. Uh, okay, all right. Any uh, any other details? Like you got a co-host or? Uh... You know, like, what's the topic of conversation going to be most days? I don't know if I'm allowed to give away who my co-host is going to be because I don't know if all of his contract stuff is done yet. So um, I will say that it is a – no, I can't even say that just because it's now uh, – I can't – I'm not allowed to tell. I've said too much already. <laughs> oh, man, we're so excited. Yeah, we're there's close. Something about, there's something about being on the, on the tour, Junkies. We bring, we bring stuff out. We had Bodits announce to the world that he was having his first child on our show. So, you know, this, Ooh, is, well, this is the place, well, to, place to let it out. I am, uh, I'm playing catch with my seven-year-old, and my wife is standing over by the grill making dinner, and I can happily announce we're not having any more kids because <laughs> we got two already, and man-to-man defense is troublesome enough. Like, we having yeah. enough trouble with man-to-man defense, once you got to go zone defense, you know, yeah. once it's two on three, somebody's going to end up coming home with the cops. So I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? Like, we got to stick to that man-to-man defense. Well, Pat, with you, he's man-to-man, and I'm, I'm in zone coverage now with a baby girl. So I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm completely done. Ooh, see? I'm, yeah. I got, um, I got, we got two boys here at the house. I got one that's much, much older and, Lives up in in New York and stuff, but he's in his twenties. Like he's already grown up. So, but I got nine, a ten year old who just turned ten, and a seven year old here, Major and Braylon. So, yeah, we got hands full. But see, I got boys. So, you know, you got a little girl. Like, oh, well, I got two boys. Dad has two boys, and I have two boys, and I, I we just had our baby girl, and that's it. We're done. So that's why you've gone to zone defense. See, your wife brought yeah. you in. Your wife yeah, talks you into going exactly for right. the girl, and y'all lucked out. See, my wife comes yeah. from, she's the oldest of three girls, and she was trying desperately to talk me into, hey, just let's just try. No, because we'll just keep trying to end up with a basketball yeah. team, right? And I'm going to feel like Sean Kemp. <laughs> like, I'm not that's trying to go there. Yeah, that's for me. Uh, I got 27 boys, right? Like, yeah, yeah let's keep trying. Nah. You and Cromartie. Yeah, exactly oh, right. God. <laughs> so, yeah, there's That's no awesome. reason to keep going down that lane, you know. But congratulations on the girl, man. That's, you know, I would be Thanks. so, I'd, I'd be so terrified. My best friend had two girls. And, like, watching, he had them when he was much younger. Him and his, his wife, they had them when he was younger. And watching him no. the yeah. night. The night his oldest went to prom, like literally oh, he God. was yeah. sobbing. This dude is a cop. He's like 6'5", 250 pounds, 
Like, this dude looks like he could, he, I mean, he will jack you up. And he's, I'm literally holding him as he's sobbing <laughs> on my shoulder. Like, so all that talk yeah. of like, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a clean my gun in front of any boys that come on. Right. Like, yeah. You're going to talk all that shit. <laughs> but let me tell you, when little baby girl leaves for the first time, she's going out for prom night, and then you know she's not coming home to the next morning. Man, oh, my boy God, was, ooh, ooh, ooh. I can't believe it went by so fast. I was like, man, he almost talked me out of having kids. Almost, man, almost. Well, my baby girl is my favorite. I, I tell her that all the time in front of my boys, and my wife doesn't like that, but she just is. I mean, I love my boys. They're, they're fun. They're so much fun, but my baby girl is, is clearly the favorite. She's only a year and a half old, so I'm not trying to hear all she's that stuff you're talking about. See? Yeah. Oh, she, <laughs> you're in denial. She, you're straight denial. She's got yeah. me. Yeah, and I'll, I'll stay in denial for a few more years. I, 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 I got that. I can handle that. You know what? I can handle I got, it, man. The best thing, the best thing I heard from a good friend of mine who had a son and a daughter, and the son was a little bit older. I guess like two years older than his daughter. He was like, you know what? I treat my daughter in a way so that when she gets older, you know. She's going to expect a dude to treat her better than what I did. So I, I set a standard so high that I don't have to worry about knucklehead. And I was like, man, now that's a great yep. idea. That's yep. a great idea. That's, that's, that's in my playbook right now, man. That's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You just keep that little card tucked in, tucked in your wallet for a while. You're gonna, you're gonna I, need I, it. I got it, man. I got it. Hey, we appreciate you better it, hope, Mike. You better hope your girl doesn't doesn't meet my seven year old because my <laughs> oh man, he's like supermodel Casanova. Oh, is he? okay. <laughs> yeah, he well, was on got, Sports Center have, with me the other night. Was he? Now she's got two big yeah. brothers, so that that helps too. You know, dad and, and two big brothers that helps. I did. Well, see, that's, I did see your, that's uh, the key. The key is you gotta have people in your family, like, you gotta have boys first, because they won't go to jail. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? When they yeah. go take care of, you know, when they go take care of problems, <laughs> you know, when baby girl gets a heartbroken the first time, and big brother goes to take care of them problems, That's right. you know, big, they don't get charged. You know what I mean? When I moms will. and dads yeah. get involved, exactly! Then, yeah. you know, hey man, what happened to your husband? Oh, he gets out in August. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming out with a tear tattoo it's, it's gonna be great yeah. <laughs> exactly oh, God. all right buddy we appreciate it this was great we uh anytime we look forward man to uh to, to seeing you again we'll be at the pga show again too so we'll definitely see you there and then hopefully masters week um are you gonna be at the pga Absolutely. show sure you will. yeah, yeah at good. the pga show we can catch up at the pga show and that's when we can talk some fantasy golf because that's when it'll really start getting oh. into the swing of things you know yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Sounds good, man. And, uh, you know, cool. continued success for you. You're the best. Thanks, man. You guys as well. You guys as well. Thanks for having me on. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.
My heart skips skipping the beach You're not close enough So that space between you and me Let's lose it The way you're dancing Swaying to the music Girl, that body and how you move it Every time you cross my mind Girl, I lose it Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist Okay I think you know what you're doing to me you got With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today